the point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to Liberty Blue, the best Rangers podcast in town. I'm Andrew Chelney, alongside Nick Zararis. We scream about the Rangers so that you don't have to. This is episode 72, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts as well. We've got a very special conversation today. Joining Liberty Blue Podcast is someone that we've had on this time last season, and it's an honor. He's chosen to give us some more time today. A legend in the industry who needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. He is the voice of the New York Rangers. It is the great Sam Rosen. Sam, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. Nice to be with you, Andrew and Nick. Uh, this is a, a good time. We're getting close, very close to the start of the season and um, it's exciting. It's exciting because every new season, you go into it, fans go into it. We on the broadcast side go into it with so many positive thoughts. Oh, you know, if, if this goes right, if that goes right, the team could make a long run. And, you know, you just feel good about things right about now. And there's so much new going on. There's new players and, of course, new coaching staff and uh, hopefully uh, some new results for the Rangers. Absolutely. And I want to I want to start off with someone that Rangers social media has been worried would be an understatement right now. And that's is about Alexi Lafreniere, who's 21 years old. People forget. He is, he just got, he's barely old enough to drink in, in the United States. My man's is, he's, this is what is, his third or fourth season in the NHL now. I mean, he's yeah. been, he's been around the league for, for a while, but he's still really young. Uh, people are worried about Lafreniere and they, they, people believe that, you know, he hasn't taken the, the step necessary or, you know, he's a first overall pick. Where is that first overall pick talent? Is it more of, the coaching staffs before uh, Laviolette now not taking advantage of his special abilities, or is it uh, Lafreniere kind of, is it, it, what, what is the, you know, where is the first overall pick that the Rangers and Rangers fans have expected of, of Lafreniere? And are people maybe, maybe just a little bit too panicky on, you know, calling a 21 year old a bust? There's a little, of everything that you just said. Little of this, little of that. Um, yes, I think we have to remember he's only 21. He's going to be 22 uh, shortly. And I believe he believes that he's got a bright future ahead of him. The problem is he's now going, as you pointed out, he's now going into his fourth year in the NHL, the time has come to take a step. I'm not saying be the leading scorer in the league, lead the league in assists, whatever, lead the league in, in goals scored, whatever it is, 
What I'm saying is he needs to be an impact player. It's time for him to show the talent that scouts saw that made him the clear-cut number one pick in the draft in 2020. And it's time for him to step up. He's had some opportunity. I think um, Gerard Gallant gave him some chances. He showed very well in the playoffs in 2022, part of the kids line that played so well and helped the Rangers get to the final four and within two wins of the Stanley cup final. Um, he hasn't, he hasn't grasped that opportunity yet. I think he's got a clean slate with Peter Laviolette. I think, uh, the players in the room like him genuinely like him, but I, I think in the back of their minds, there's still a question mark of where, where does he step, what role does he step into? And this is a, a big season for him. Would I call him a bust? No, by no means is he a bust now. But if he hasn't taken that step or a, a positive step and progressed by the end of this season and shown some of that number one overall talent, then you have to question uh, what's going to happen because, look, the fans have a right to get on him. Uh, the expectations have grown. This is his time, and he's going to get a chance and a legitimate chance. You don't want to give up on a young player, and five years from now when he's all of 26 or 27, he blossoms into a star, and you say, what happened? Who you know? Who screwed this up? Um, I I think he's got a, a good attitude. He works very hard. He's in better shape, and we'll see. We'll see. He'll get that chance to be a productive player. What would you say has been the overarching theme of training camp in these preseason games so far? When we had you last year, you said it was anticipation, that everybody was antsy, that they wanted to just get back to playing hockey. They were excited to get back to the postseason. What's it been like so far this year? I think it's more of getting to know you, uh, players getting to know the coach, and the coach getting to know the players. He knows some of them having played against them, especially the veteran players like uh, – Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, you know, the veteran guys on the Rangers. Peter Laviolette has know, knows them uh, as an opposing coach, has coached against them when he was uh, with the Flyers. He's coached against them when he was wa with Washington. So he, he knows he's got a handle on what those players are all about. Uh, it's some of the new players that are coming in. Um a, a, a Blake Wheeler, uh, Nick Benino, he knows he coached him in Nashville, uh, uh, Tyler Pitlick, those players who are going to be role players and will be important players on this team, he needs to get to know. The top prospects who are still in camp, Brendan Offman, a former first-rounder, Will Cooley, former second-rounder, those are young players who uh, the Rangers have high hopes for, and it's uh, he's he needs to get to know them. He needs to get to know what makes Igor Shesterkin tick. He certainly knows he's got one of the best goaltenders in the league, and you don't want to mess with a goalie and 
what's in his head. But uh, Igor's a great player. And again, it's part of getting to know you. And then from a player's standpoint, they have to change. They just had Gerard Gallant for two years. Now they've got Peter Laviolette. The good thing is Peter has been in the league over 20 years. He has coached top teams. He has gone to the Stanley Cup final three times and won once. He knows what it takes, and they respect him for that. Uh, I think I think um, it's easy for them to grasp uh, or at least follow what he wants done in training camp. So I think that's part of it. Uh, and, and then how he starts to use the players once we get to the start of the season will be interesting. Will he change the pairs? Will he change the line combinations? Um, the thing that he demands, what every coach demands, he wants hard work. He wants strong effort. He wants the team to play hard all the time. Go after it. Go for it. And as long as he gets that, I think he'll be satisfied with the team and he'll be able to get to know what these players are all about and who can perform at the level needed to take this team a long way. And I want to pick you back off something you said about uh, Cooley and Othman because they, in the preseason, have looked really good. They've, they've had flashes where they've been controlling with the puck. They're not scared of the moment. And even though it's preseason and people aren't necessarily caring for guys like Cooley and Othman, they are giving it, I would have to believe, everything they have because they want to make the team. They want to show the coaching staff that, hey, we belong here. Do you think that they will make the team? Do you think that they have a good shot of maybe seeing some action throughout the season? What, do you th what, what have you seen from those two guys so far? And do they have a shot? Everything that I've seen from both those players tells me that they're going to be impact players at some point, uh, if not this season, the next season. My, my feeling in watching both players is this. With Will Cooley, I think he's really close. I talked to him this morning uh, at the morning skate, and he feels the same way. He hasn't done anything that would lead you to believe he couldn't play in the NHL right now. Now the question is, where does he fit this team? Uh, is he a left winger? Don't forget you've got Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin as left wingers. Um, you might have Barkley Goodrow uh, playing the left side. You've got Jimmy Vesey playing the left side. And... The natural left side is for Alexi Lafreniere. So where does Will Cooley fit in? Well, he's got size. He's got strength. Not afraid to go into the corners and bang. Not afraid to go in front of the net and plant himself. He scored 25 goals in Hartford last year, led the team in goals scored. So he can put the puck in the net. And right now in training camp and the preseason games and in the, in the game tonight, he'll play second power play. So he's got the, the tools and the elements um, to be a player. But would he be better served playing 20 minutes a game in Hartford or 10 minutes a game fourth line with the New York Rangers? If he could fit in as a third line player plus – 
uh, a power play guy. He might be playing third. He might be able to play thirteen to fifteen minutes, and then, then it's a different story. Then he could be uh, a contributor. Brendan Othman, this is his first first year pro. Wherever he's been in junior, he's played well. He's scored well, and each year he's gotten better. And he has not looked out of place in camp. I doubt he would make the team right now. Though he hasn't done anything wrong, he's played well. He's killed penalties. He's played on the power play. He's scored goals. But it's his first year pro, and there's something about adjusting to the pro game learning the pro game, learning how to play. And he too, in my mind, would benefit from playing 22 to 24 minutes a game in Hartford. First line, first line minutes, every situation. And then, you know, you ask, might we see them along the line? Well, you know what? If injuries set in or if they need a call up, if the team's struggling and he's scoring in Hartford, then maybe he gets the first call or the second call. Um, I can see that. They have bright futures, both of them. Um, I think Cooley is a little closer. I think that Othman would benefit from playing 22, 23 minutes a game in Hartford. What do you try and take away from this time of year? Because it's hard to get definitive conclusions from preseason games, from practice, from training camp stuff. What are you trying to take away in your day-to-day right now this time of year? Um, Just seeing how the players are adapting to the coach's system. Again, change in system, change in forecheck, how the, the coach wants his players to play, what he, how he wants his defensemen to play as far as offense It's tough to score goals in this league. We know that. So the defensemen are going to be counted on. An Adam Fox, an Eric Gustafson, uh, Zach Jones, maybe maybe someone who might be able to slip in and score. Uh, Keandre Miller has been getting better each year, and they're expecting him to be part of this, uh, this team and a key part of the team. So I'm looking to see... Um, what the how the guys are improving, whether they've shown something different from what they've shown in the last two years, and uh, just just general play that tells you, you know what, he wants to be. Mika Zibanejad came to camp. He's in great shape. He wants to be better than he was last year, and last year he was great. Um, same thing with an Adam Fox. Same thing with, with in listening to Igor Shosturkin beat himself up mentally over uh, the way he played at times last year. I thought he was terrific, but he, he didn't like the way he played at times, and he really beat himself up. He needs to relax and just continue to way, the way he's playing. He tied for third in the league in wins. He, he was top 10 in save percentage and goals against average. You start out with the Rangers uh, looking at the way the team is shaping up. That's another thing you look for. How is it shaping up? Where do these guys fit in as far as the line combinations, the defensive pairs? And, you know, you they've got great elements. 
The defensive core is back. For those first five guys, they've been together. How the coach uses them, what combinations will be interesting to see. They start with one of the best goaltenders in the league. They have some of the best veteran players in Zabanajad, Panarin, and Kreider. But their window is starting to, you know, close a little bit. They're 30-plus, but they still, they're still in their prime, and this is a time for them to want it even more based on the motivation from losing in the first round to the Devils. So you want to see all those elements, um, the, what's motivating the players, how hard are they working to be better than they were, and how, you know, the effort they're putting in to go for the big prize, because that's what it's all about. You mentioned the Devils' playoff series last season. I want to jump into that for just a second here. Pain. because of all the pain! <laughs> in, the, in the first two games, the Rangers looked really good, and then the Devils remembered they were a fast team, and they were a young team, and they kind of threw caution the win, and then they essentially maybe sort of embarrassed the Rangers for the rest of the series, and then the, and the Devils won, you know, and, and they moved on. The thing about that series in particular was one of the reasons the Rangers lost is because the Devils were simply a faster team. They had more foot speed. They could beat the Rangers to loose pucks, and therefore they could keep possession of the puck that way. We are One of our concerns after free agency was that the Rangers did not do enough to address their foot speed issue. When you get guys like Blake Wheeler who can score right like Nick Benino like Pitlick they're they're good they're good players and they they're going to do good things for this team but the issue of them not being a fast team was not addressed that that was one of our concerns in July and that remains one of our concerns now how much of that is you know a, a concern for you and the rest of the team i think uh it's something to be i don't i wouldn't call it overly concerned about but yes it's it's a factor every every coach you heard it from Gerard Gallant every every coach we talk to Joe and myself when we talk to coaches of other teams everybody wants to play fast they want to play fast but it's not only foot speed it's puck movement get the puck move it quickly be decisive quick decisions from the defensive end, move it up to the forwards. Quick. Everything's got to be quick. And then be quick in your decisions in the offensive zone. You want to join the play? Defensemen have freedom to, to join the offense, move up into the play. Um, they know what the system uh, calls for as far as the uh, what the coach wants and what he wants them to do as far as covering up. Um, are they as fast as the Devils? The Devils have some great speed players. There's no doubt about that. They also have physical players. I think there's a balance that's necessary. Do the Rangers have enough speed? I think so. Though, you know, we talk about the kids. Kako's a good is a good skater. Lafreniere's not the fastest, but also a good skater. Heedle is a good skater with speed to his game. Panarin, even though he's 30-something now, Good skater with good speed. Same thing with Mika Zibanejad. So they don't lack for speed. It's not like they're a, a lumbering team. Um, are they the fastest team? No, but I think they have enough speed to deal with. Now, the players um, you you mentioned, 
Yeah, Blake Wheeler is big. It's a lot will depend on how he's used. Yeah, go he'll is a guy that is a good playmaker, can score goals, will go in front of the net. We'll see him also on the second power play. Nick Benino, I think he's there as a good fourth line player um, who will be key on faceoffs. And that's something to look at. Um, Johnny Brzezinski is a, a depth player. Uh, he may make the 23-man squad. He may go to Hartford. Again, that'll be uh, close and a final decision. But he's also a player with some speed. So, again, it's not a slow team. Kreider is a, is a terrific skater. I don't want to leave him out of the, out of the picture. They have guys that have have the speed they can get there. It's not as if they're going to be going forward and the puck's heading the, the other way. I think they're smart players. I think the system uh, will work to make sure that uh, that they're not left behind. So defensively, Schneider, Keandre Miller, standing skater, Zach Jones, outstanding skater. Uh, the other players, Truba's a more physical player, not the greatest skater, but not a bad skater. Uh, Fox, the same way. Lindgren, solid player, can, can skate with, with the other guys. Gustafson, who they brought in, good skater. So I think the, the speed factor is not as big a concern as you mentioned it. Did it... Did it show up against the Devils? Yeah. Um, in that series, there was more to it. But, yes, the Devils' speed was a factor, and the Rangers will have to deal with that. That's The Devils are going to be a contender, and the Rangers will have to find a way to slow down Jack Hughes, to slow down Nico Heischer, to slow down the players that they they brought in, to Tyler Toffoli and Timo Meyer. Um they have a terrific team and a terrific roster, and but all teams have weaknesses, and the Rangers will have to find the, the devil's weakness and exploit that if they hope to finish ahead of them. What are your impressions of Peter Laviolette now that he's on this side of the fence versus <laughs> previous interactions with him? Peter's a Peter's an, an excellent coach. A um, lot of patience, but when you watch him in practice. He's in total command. His voice booms throughout the arena, throughout the practice rink. You hear him, he'll stop play. You let the players know what he wants done. It's his voice. He's in, he's in total control. He's hands-on. It's great to see. Um, as I mentioned before, a guy who's been there, uh, Taking teams to the Stanley Cup final, went to went to the Stanley Cup, won a Stanley Cup with Carolina with some young players, some veteran players. Um, and, and Eric Stahl was in his second year. A Rod Brindamore was at the tail end of his career. He had uh, uh, a rookie goaltender in Cam Ward, and he was able to pull it all together, win a Stanley Cup. Went to the final with the Flyers, who were almost out of it. They found a way to get to the final. Went to the final with Nashville. Not a high-scoring team, 
excellent defensive team, great goaltending. He's um, coached the, the best players in the world. Last three years, Alex Ovechkin was the man he coached, and Ovechkin had some good years under Peter Laviolette. So um, I think he is the right choice at this time. I thought Gerard Gallant did a, did a good job in his two years as head coach. Rangers go to the Final Four, uh, get 107 points last season, come up short in the playoffs. Whatever went on um, upstairs, that was their decision. That's a, a decision of the president, general manager, Chris Drury, and they decided to make a change. But the guy they brought in is uh, has seen it all and has been to the top and knows what it takes to put together a winning team. Speaking of Chris Drury, I don't know if he's going to be the biggest fan when I ask this question, but I wanted to ask you about Jonathan Quick because he, by obviously, by all accounts, two Stanley Cups, he he played well for LA. Three. Don't forget that's it was yeah he was he was there he was in the Vegas he was the there that's right Knights. he was in the building he was wearing the jersey you're right uh, but my concern with Jonathan Quick is that while he was a great goalie back in the day last season it's not a secret that he was not good he did not play well and his stats showed and yeah he he won the Stanley Cup but it's it's not as if like he had 80 saves and you know and the and the Knights won the cup through through that. So the Rangers signed him now and in during the preseason I haven't been the biggest fan of how he's played in net. He's moved a lot. He's been he's very he's been kind of moving maybe a little bit too much. I I don't really, I'm not really sure what Jonathan Quick has been doing like during these preseason games. I'm not I haven't really been a fan of of his play in a Rangers jersey. I understand that he's a veteran presence and that Shesterkin is going to learn from him and all that. But the ideally you want Shesterkin playing 55, 60 games so that he's as healthy and as fresh as he possibly can be for the playoffs. If Jonathan Quick plays the way he did last season, Shesterkin's going to have to play more than that. And is that a concern? Um. The backup goaltender is always something you have to think about. You want your backup goaltender when he goes in to win games. And um, I, I, I think Yaro Halak did a nice job last season, got off to a slow start, didn't get much support, struggled a little bit early on. And then he came on and wound up winning double-digit uh games for the Rangers. You want that goaltender to be able to come in cold, uh, to not play for a stretch of three games or depending on what the schedule is. And then suddenly he's thrust in there and, and has to go in there and play. And I think that's where uh, Jonathan Quick's experience will help. He's come to camp in real good shape. He's got a, a real good attitude. He wants to be here. I think he's excited about being uh, in back in the Connecticut area with a lot of his family and his friends. Um, what will he do? I can't answer that. We can't answer that. We have to see him in action. 
The other night it had a rough start against the Islanders, but as Peter Laviolette pointed out, the team didn't get off to a good start. Sometimes it's not it's not just the goaltender. And he said while uh, some of the chaos was going on early in the game, he was making some big saves. So uh, I think Peter has confidence in Jonathan Quick. I think uh, in the short conversations that I've had with our goaltending guru, Benoit Lair, he likes Jonathan Quick a lot, still believes that he's got something to give. To your point, how much do you want him to play? Probably in that 25-game range. Um, I think Igor Shosturkin in that 55 to 60 range would be best served. So if Jonathan Quick fails, what what would they what would they do? They've got a young goaltender in Dylan Garand who uh, was a first year pro last year. Um, he has looked good in training camp. He has played well in junior. Um, last year in his first year pro had a losing record, but finished the season strong and played very well for Hartford late in the season. So um, it's it's hard to say. There are some guys out there if, if Jonathan Quick should fail. The Rangers believe he's the ideal backup in this situation. A veteran guy, wants to extend his career, um, positive attitude about being here. Now he's got to play up to winning level. Not not Stanley Cup championship level. You can't expect that at this age. But uh, you can expect him, or or at least the Rangers are hoping, he'll be a winning goaltender, give them a winning record. And when they put him in uh, to give Igor a rest, he'll come through with, with victories. We're about a week away from the season starting. What are you most curious to find out about this team? We always talk about the season as a journey because it's a long process to get to the end of the road. What are you most curious about in respect to this specific iteration of the Rangers? I'm always uh, looking to see how bad do they want it? How bad do they want it? Come out strong. The, the games in October have a lot of meaning. Uh, if you fall behind and and you're losing, you're clawing all season long to catch up and, and get to that position where you can make the playoffs. And this is a tough league. These teams are close. We talked about Rangers, Devils. Islanders are, are a tough team. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, though they're getting older, still have great players dangerous team. Washington wants to be better than last year. They didn't make the playoffs. Carolina, an outstanding team. Uh, you've got a young team in Columbus that's up and coming. You look at the other side. Buffalo missed the playoffs by one point. Florida got in, went to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Boston, we're not sure about, but they're coming off. Boston's got a winning culture. Um, Toronto, dangerous team. It's a close league. A lot of teams, very tight. And 
and they will contend for the playoffs and contend for a spot in the Stanley Cup final. So you can't let down. So what I'm looking for to answer your question is how hungry are the Rangers? How much do they want it? How much do they want to get off to a good start? Set the tone for the team and for the season. Let them be the team that teams have to go after and try to catch. Let them be in the top one one or two spots in the division and in the conference. And if that's the case, then you've got a team that will contend all season long. And they've got the pieces. They've got to put it all together. How badly do they want it, especially coming off the disappointment of last season's playoffs? One of the things that David Quinn talked about when he was here, that Gerard Gallant talked about when he was here, and hopefully Peter Laviolette doesn't talk about that when he's here, is the Rangers sometimes love passing the puck way too much. <laughs> they, they are, they're so unselfish that they never shoot the puck ever, and they just pass it around until everybody just gets tired and everybody goes home. But like, is, is, is Peter Laviolette f- finally going to change that? And also, how do you change that? Because it's it's... At a certain point, it's not even a, a coach thing. The players have to want to be a little bit more selfish and actually get the puck onto the net. How does Peter Laviolette go about changing that? It'll be hard. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with that situation if it arises in games. Um, in practice, he deals with it. There's always shooting drills. The defensemen have passed the puck and move, get the puck back and shoot. They have drills for the forwards coming out of the corner. You come around the stationary defenseman in practice, but you come around, get the pass out from behind the goal line, shoot. A lot of hockey practices are repetitious over and over again, get the puck, shoot, get the puck, shoot. If, if they get it, if they do it enough, you hope that that will carry over into games. Look, we, we know they have talented players. Mika Zibanejad has been a 40 goal scorer. Artemi Panarin has scored in the nineties in points. Um, Chris Kreider has been a 50-goal scorer. They've got talent. They've got offensive talent. Um, I, I think that, again, we'll, we'll wait to see. Part of the problem that you raised, Andrew, is they're looking for the best play. They want Sometimes they want the tap-in goal rather than shoot and battle for a rebound. I think you'll see more of that go to the front of the net. Uh, That's another drill. Everything, whether it's on the rush, uh, three-on-two in in practice or three-on-three, whatever the the drills, it's been shoot the puck, go, go for the rebound. Pass the puck, go to the front of the net, look for a deflection. Um, I can tell you that Chris Kreider – he spends a good portion of his practices standing in front of the net with a, the stick, tipping tipping this side, that side, up, down. He's as good as it gets. And when he scored his 52 goals, he did it with a lot of tip-ins in front. So I think you'll see 
players like Will Cooley do that. You'll see players like uh, Blake Wheeler do that. The big guys go to the front of the net. You'll see Capococco do that. Um, you know, they've got to, it's, again, repetition, do it where it's instinctive. You don't hesitate. It's bang, pass, go to the front of the net. Shoot, go for, somebody shoots, go for the, go for a rebound. And hopefully that's what's going to take hold. They'll still try to make some pretty goals. They've got great playmakers, Panarin, Zabanajad, uh, Lafreniere likes to likes to make plays. You're going to see those guys try to make that pass, thread the needle. Hopefully it'll work more than it doesn't work. I have a quick follow-up because you mentioned practice. Can, I know Peter Laviolette has only been here coaching and practicing for a couple of weeks, but what have been the biggest differences that you've noticed between David Quinn's practicing style, Gallant's practicing style, to now Laviolette? Hmm. That's... Um, it's it's tough only because everybody believes in their own methods. Um, I think David Quinn was very intense, very intense coach. Um, maybe at times a little bit tough on the players. I think Gerard Gallant delegated. He. He had his assistant coach. Mike Kelly was his associate coach. Mike did a lot of work. Gord Murphy was his defensive coach. Uh, Gord would work with the defense. Gerard Gallant would kind of lay it out, uh, lay out the plan that he wanted, and then he would step back and just kind of watch. Peter Laviolette, as I mentioned before, very much hands-on. Uh you see him talking to the forwards, see him talking to the defensemen. He's got an excellent staff that he's brought in, brought in a Hall of Famer and Phil Housley to work with the defense, work on the on the power play, brought in Michael Pekka to work with the forwards, great face-off man, terrific defensive player, two-time Selkie Award winner, brought in Dan Muse from the National Development Program, uh, an all-around coach, very active, uh, very much involved with the players. But Peter is hands-on. He's he's not sitting back and just observing. He's involved in talking to the players. He, he'll talk to, uh, I, you know, when I picture in my mind, the first thing that comes to mind is talking with Keandre Miller about defensive positioning. And he'll do that with with the other defensemen as well. And yet he'll talk to the forwards as to what he wants. He want when he talks defense, he talks five men defense, not just the two men on the back end. All five men working together to put to be a strong defensive team, and he does that with one on one talks with the players on the ice. Is there somebody having a good camp that's maybe a year or two away from making it to the league that? the Rangers feel is going to be somebody to keep an eye on that's maybe flying under the radar a little bit? I don't know that uh, there's anyone flying under the radar. Uh, they've cut down and the, they've sent their players to Hartford. And I think they believe that uh, the players in Hartford, um, eventually some of them will be New York Rangers uh, the two that we talked about earlier, Will Cooley and Brennan Othman, 
are the leaders of the pack, so to speak. Don't forget Zach Jones came out of college. UMass won a national championship, played a little with the Rangers, spent most of last season uh, in Hartford, played 16 or 17 games with the Rangers. He's going to be on the team. So um, there, there aren't any big names other than the two that we talked about. Othman is a first-round pick. Cooley was a second-round pick. And those are players you hope will, will be factors in the team, if not this year, then certainly by next year. Um, Matt Robertson was a second-round draft pick, a defenseman, not quite ready for the NHL has got to show more. Want to sh- they, they want to see a little more physical play. They've got a couple of other players in there. There's a big defenseman, uh, Scanlon, uh, that has a chance. I mentioned Dylan Garand, 21-year-old goaltender. So, yeah, right now they're solid with Igor Shesterkin, but maybe Dylan Garand becomes the backup down the road. Maybe uh, – you know, what if if something happens, if there's an injury, maybe he's the one to step in on a on a regular basis. We'll see how he develops, um, especially this year, his second year uh, in the American League. So there are a few good prospects in Hartford, and I wouldn't call them again dark horses. The the two that we mentioned in Cooley and Othman are they're, they're going to be knocking on the door real soon. I'm not breaking any news here, but when I say that the Rangers, I would have to imagine, are, are not happy about how last season went towards the, to, you know, in the playoffs. So now when with most of the veteran leadership core and, you know, they're still, they're here and a lot of them are still wearing the, the letters and all that. What have you seen from the veterans and the leadership group that, maybe signify that, hey, we're out for blood. We hated the way last season ended. We're here to change that this season. Is there anything that you've seen them do differently, maybe the way they you know, present themselves or the way that they play? Is there anything that you've seen so far that would dictate we're, we're mad and we're going to change that? All I can point to, I wouldn't say we're mad and we want to change that. I think that's, you know, everyone handles – uh, adversity and the disappointment of last season in their own way. Um, I think uh, maybe you used the term earlier, Andrew, embarrassed over what happened, especially after being up 2 nothing in that series against the Devils. But um, to me, they've come to camp ready to go. I don't even know if they needed uh, these drills. These guys were ready to go. And you look at it, they've played a f- they've played four preseason games. They're ready to start the season right now. These guys are in shape. That means they spent the offseason working, working at, at uh, their conditioning, working at their game, Whatever it took, whether it's um, Adam Fox working to improve his shot, Keandre Miller, I had a, a great chat with him, um, took a couple of, of weeks after the loss, went home to St. Paul, Minnesota, and after he took a couple of weeks off, 
He was back working out. You want to see a washboard? That guy stole my body. I want his body. That guy, you talk about a guy who is in great physical shape, and that goes for most of the players. They're in great shape, great condition. Yeah, there's been the injury to uh, Filipino, little concern. There was a minor thing uh, with Mika Zibanejad. He missed a day or two. Same thing with Panarin. That's going to happen. But most of the guys are in great shape, and they're skating hard, and they're battling hard, and they're playing hard um, in in the preseason games to an extent. You don't want to leave it all out in preseason, but uh, they're ready to play, and that, to me, is a good sign. They've come to camp in shape, very minor injuries, and they're ready to go. Real quick, because you mentioned Heedle, is he is he okay? Is is this is this yeah, kind they, of injury going to bleed yeah, the into the regular said season? This or? Morning, he's um, uh, you know what he was at practice last week. There was a two session practice. He took part in the morning session, and then when the afternoon se- or the later session uh, began, uh, he wasn't on the ice. And you know, no no one reveals injuries. It's uh, upper body, lower body, day-to-day. And day-to-day has stretched to a week, but the coach uh, had some positive uh, news today saying that Filipino skated with the coaches, got in a good workout, is progressing, and right now they're hoping that early next week he'll be back on the ice and ready to get his reps in and hopefully ready for the season opener. Um, you know, that could change, but um, I would think that the way it was described today, uh, that's a positive sign that he should be ready. So the players have preseason games and training camp to kind of get ready for the season. What's your preparation process like to get ready for the season? Well, unfortunately, we've only on on uh, the Rangers uh, telecast, we had uh, the opening telecast was in Boston, and that was on uh, the night of the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, so I did not do that game. I did uh, the two games against the Islanders and against the Devils, and now the rest of the games uh, have been other telecasts. So they did uh, the game on Long Island was an Islander telecast. The game tonight against the Devils is a Devils telecast. Joe McCalletti, we we volunteered him to be the third man in the booth <laughs> as he was on Long Island and will be tonight. And then um, tomorrow night, the, the last game of the preseason is going to be on TNT. It's going to be a national game, preseason game, Rangers and Bruins at the Garden. So um, my preparation, reading as much as I can what's going on around the league, Watching NHL Network, uh, they've carried a lot of preseason games, some of the Western games. Boston has been on a couple of times. Um, those, are, Wherever there's a game on, I want to watch it. And now um, I'll start to get specific to Buffalo and Columbus 
in preparation for the first two games of the season, Rangers at Buffalo, Rangers at Columbus. I'll get into uh, some of the teams are still playing some games, might be able to watch them. Uh, and and once they've gotten their final cuts done, you can see what their roster is and have a pretty good uh, feel for who will be playing in those games starting the season Thursday night. Sam, is there any team in the NHL that you look at and you go like, this is the best team or the, or the, or these are the best teams or are the Rangers in that conversation in your personal opinion and which teams do you think the Rangers have circled on their calendar because like this is this could be a, a conference final matchup or a final yeah. matchup or are what are the teams in your in your mind that are in the upper echelon? Well, I think uh, we we touched on it before, and I think uh, when you look at the teams in the East, uh, you've got probably eight teams or so that are all close together. And if a team gets a bad break, they get a key injury, that could really hurt their chances. Um, if someone blossoms and becomes a star in the league, it could be a big factor. Uh, all eyes will be on uh, Connor Bedard. Uh, everybody is looking at him as uh, the new star of the league. But will he turn Chicago around? Not right away, but I think he'll have an impact. And everybody will be watching him. Edmonton Oilers, they've got two of the great players uh, in the world. And Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Will they get, finally get the goaltending? They've improved their defense. Um, that's, a, that's a good team out west. Colorado, two years ago, Stanley Cup champions. Last year they got knocked out early in the playoffs. But quality team, uh, they suffered a big injury when they lost their, their captain uh, last, last season. So you, those are always factors you don't, you don't know. If you ask me... If you tell me who's going to be on the roster in April, I'll have a better handle on it. But as far as the league itself is concerned, is there one team that stands out? No, last year going into the season, everyone was worried about the Boston Bruins. They had injuries. Guys were not ready to play. And bang, the guys start to come back. They get off to a great start. And they said every record possible for a regular season, 135 points. And I mean, it was unreal the season they had. And then they lose in the first round of the playoffs. You talk about disappointment. That was huge. Now, what will the Bruins be this year? Um, there's some question marks, but they still, they still have David Pasternak. They still have Olmark in goal. They, Brad Marchand will be their, their captain. Um, Jake DeBrusque is blossoming under Jim Montgomery as the head coach. So they're a dangerous team. What will happen with Tampa Bay now that Vasilevsky is out 8 to 10, 10 to 12 weeks? That could be a big factor, but they still have their championship players. You know, they've got to get Stamkos. Stamkos wants a contract extension, but the Braden Point is there. They've, they've got uh, Victor Hedman there. They're strong on defense. 
championship caliber team. Toronto, every year, you talk to the people in Toronto when the season starts, they're going to win the cup. And then something is all this time, Sam, huh? But, you know, (laughs) again, quality team. Buffalo, I mentioned before, up-and-coming team, just missed the playoffs. Young talent, they had all those first-round draft picks, number one pick, number three pick, number five pick. It, it's their time. So there are a lot of good teams. It's going to be really tough. There isn't one team that, oh, we got to beat them. The defending champions – Got, were they the best team? Were the Golden Knights the best team? Not overall in the league, but they were the they were the best team at the right time. They got hot at the right time. They got healthy at the right time, and they won the Stanley Cup. And you know that's that's the story of hockey, uh, year in and year out. You you know you can't predict because there are little twists and turns that change things around. Two years ago, the Rangers are up two games to none in the conference final against the defending Stanley Cup champions. And if they had Sam's bringing back bad memories. Uh, no. <laughs> right? If they, if they had held on to the lead in game three, they could have won that series and they might have been the Stanley Cup finals. The Rangers are in the mix. They're a good team, as I mentioned before. A lot of good pieces, but we go back to where we started. Those kids have got to be impact players. Kako, Heedle, Lafreniere, they can't be passengers. They've got to be big contributors. They've got to score in the 20 goals, 20 goals, 60 points or more. They've got to be factors in this team. If they are, then the Rangers have a shot. Yesterday, Derek Stepan announced his retirement from the NHL. What is your lasting memory of Derek's time with New York? Uh, Derek Stepan, smart player. Uh, you know, we talked about speed. Derek Stepan didn't have speed, but his intelligence, his hockey IQ was as good as it gets. Uh, great, great competitor, playmaker. Good defensive player, good face-off man, a well-rounded player who contributed to a lot of the Rangers' success while he was on that team. That team uh, made the playoffs virtually every year that he was there, and he contributed to it. He was a really good New York Ranger and made the most of his of his abilities. Sam, you're the best. Uh, this is this has been an incredible, incredible time. Uh, you've given us s- s- way more than we've asked for. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for talking Rangers with us. It's always a pleasure. Always, always an honor to have you on the show. And we love talking to you. And uh, hopefully, the Rangers uh, maybe a little bit better than last season, huh? Hopefully, they'll make my dreams come true. Uh, please, that'd be great. That would be. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna remake the "I Can Die in Peace" side, but like you know, say, colorized. I have to say, uh, Andrew and Nick. First off, thanks for having me on because you know I can talk hockey all day. You just wind me up, and and I'll <laughs> talk all day. But uh, the bottom line is, it it's such a a thrill and so much enjoyment to call the games of this team because they're an entertaining team. The fan, fans who go to the games are entertained because 
you know, yeah, you talked about the extra pass and this and that, and they hold on to the puck, but there's a lot of talent, and it's not from lack of uh, trying. They've got to find that that magical formula, which they found in 94. They've got to find it again uh, and take it all away. And this is a talented team, and it's just fun to do the games. We're we're a little critical of the team sometimes, but that's only because we care, right? We, if if we if we didn't care, we wouldn't be critical all the time. So, Sam, you're the best. Again, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for doing this. I will reach out to you. I'll try not, I'll try not to bother you. I you know I'll let, I'll let you do what you have to do. But appreciate you coming on, and hopefully you come back soon. Thanks. Thanks so much.